Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard, good to be with you. We got a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, my contributor is none other than Yasmin Khan, host, Global Thread Podcast, Rebel HQ contributor, all around amazing individual. Top story of the day, Mississippi police chief said he shot that N word 119 times. Said that if you kill an MFR in cold blood, I will cover it up for you and a lot of other things. I have the audio. Here's that police chief now. Let me explain something to you. Come on. You're going to get in some in the street. There's only going to be one man fighting for you. All right? Yeah. It's going to be me. Okay? Don't ever ruin that. All right? Because these other they'll let you for Okay? I killed 13 men in my career. Okay? Justified. Huh? Ooh. In my career, I have shot and killed in the line of duty 13 different people. You just shot so many Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Justified, bro. Okay. Ask around. Hey, they ain't going to tell you no. I got a big corn shootout, man. The cornfield over there. Jimmy Dale Thomas, he worked it. Justified, bro. I shot that 110 times. Okay? I don't give a I don't give a if you kill a with a cold blood. Do you hear what I'm saying? I will articulate to fix the problem. And I'm the only man in the business here that's smart enough to do it, I promise you. I don't talk for years. I don't, I don't talk. I, I ain't got nothing for you. Put up this racist SLB full mass here. His name is Chief Sam Dobbins. Chief Sam Dobbins almost was able to retain his job, even though it is clear he is a racist piece of garbage. He said in his quote that he shot that N word 119 times, that he has killed 13 men over his career, which by the way, less than 1% of police officers will ever kill one. He has killed 13, so they made him police chief. He also said that he would actually cover up a murder because he does not give a damn if you kill someone in cold blood, according to his own words. Now he was being recorded by another officer who knew how corrupt the police chief was. Now you would imagine that after that recording was made public, that the city council of Lexington, Mississippi, that the city council would unanimously say, this chief has to go. No, the chief was voted out of his job with a three to two vote. He damn near kept his employment after confessing all of that criminal intent. Let me give you the background to this. Mississippi, he's now out of a job, the Mississippi police chief from Lexington. After the board of aldermen voted to remove him after a recording was made public, featuring him spewing racial slurs. Former Lexington police chief Sam Dobbins has previously denied that the recording was of him. He's a damn lie. Now also on the recording, he's making comments that are antithetical to our brothers and sisters in the LGBTQ community. This guy checks all the boxes, all right, every single one of them. When the other officer was recording him, he was actually trying to get more information. If you notice when he said, I've killed 13 men, the officer recording continued to say, who, who? 
trying to get that information on the record. There's more, but according to the former Lexington police officer, Robert Lee Hooker, that's the person that did the recording, who is the is of the former chief for sure. Hooker resigned from the department. So the guy who made the recording had to resign from the department last week, citing what a toxic work environment. In addition to the multiple racial slurs in the recording, Dobbins bragged about shooting a suspect at least 119 times. Now, here's where you highlight culture. Because remember, they say, well, there are more good cops than bad cops. Well, if that were to be true, then Officer Hooker would be celebrated. Would he not? The cop that made the recording would be celebrated. Hell, they would probably consider making him the police chief, right? If there are more good cops than bad cops, if the culture is not actually corrupt, but if the culture is actually righteous and good, that means that the good action of Officer Hooker will be celebrated by the city and by the police, but it is not. He exposes a racist, killing, anti-LGBTQ police chief, and then he has to resign. Police chief almost kept his job. There's more. As I said, the board voted three to two to oust Chief Dobbins. The recording was first obtained by the Mississippi Center for Investigative Reporting. Officer Hooker from the department resigned from the department last week, citing a toxic work environment. Lexington Mayor Robin McCrory did not want to be interviewed, but said the leaked audio led to Dobbins termination. Now, you don't think the mayor was aware of how racist Dobbins was? You don't think the city council, the aldermen were aware of how racist this chief was? He talked freely this way. He was saying the N word as if it was something perfectly acceptable. It was in his regular conversation. This is how he talked. And everybody knew he governed the police department in this way. The reason why Officer Hooker decided to record him is because he said on the record, I knew they weren't going to do anything. I had to be the one to expose it. So he did what needs to be done more. He did what we call cops to always do. Report your own, regulate the industry, stand up for the people, the community, the citizens that you actually swear, take an oath to serve. Mr. Hooker did this, Chief Dobbins did not. Their fate is the same, both of these men no longer have a job working in policing. One is a good guy, the other one is a bad guy. Isn't that interesting? There's more. Let's put up a picture of the mayor here, all right? So this is a screenshot of Mayor Robin McCrory, okay? You see, back in 2006, she was actually arrested and charged with assault. So there was a story written about this in 2008. I had to go back to find this story. Mayor Robin McCrory was facing assault charges in Holmes County Justice Court. Why? The charges were filed by who? The city clerk and Pope. After an incident on November 18th, apparently the two government officials engaged in a physical shoving match during a dispute about voided checks. The mayor was arrested for assault. Now this is in Mississippi. What is Mississippi? 
According to Mississippi Public Broadcast, Mississippi in its capital city is the most residentially segregated in the United States, in the United States. So let's talk about what has happened here. You have a decent cop who exposes a very evil cop. The cop now loses his job. He gets voted out three to two, almost kept his employment. There's no real outrage from law enforcement that this was an actual chief among their ranks because they knew how he did business. Now here's my question. This is going to go away because the chief no longer is employed there. But now he has opened the door for investigations. Who are the 13 people he killed? Because he's obviously racist. Did he have bias in these killings? Why was he allowed to become a police chief with that kind of killing record? When most police officers, the vast majority, over 99% would never kill anybody in the line of duty. He's killed 13. Why was he allowed to continue to serve in that capacity when it was common knowledge how racist he was? How he had views that were adversarial to members of the LGBTQ community. These things were well known about this chief. The reason why he was able to serve, the reason why he was able to be their leader is because the culture protects him. You don't simply have a policy dynamic, you have a cultural issue. And we're exposing them from top to bottom. Now, where is the investigation into this damn chief, the criminal investigation that should be launched by the state authorities of Mississippi and the federal government? Where, where is it? Where are they? All right. All right, Yasmin, thoughts on this? Yeah, you're absolutely right that it's a culture thing. And kudos to Officer Hooker, who actually was the good cop that we've all been asking for, the good cop that we keep hearing about, but we've never really seen. And kudos to him also for accepting the consequences of his actions. I'm sure he knew that it really wasn't going to work out well for him. But going back to the police chief, before even getting to the fact that he claims to have shot someone 119 times and killing 13 people in quote unquote justified killings, which is already unhinged behavior, just to put it nicely. Why did he feel like he could say any of this stuff out loud, not just in his own police station, but to anyone really, you know, how much hate is within people that they've completely dehumanized an entire race of people to the point that they can commit murder and it doesn't sit on their conscience and they can still function and be considered to be a contributing member of society. And it's just not a good mental state for anyone to be in. And as far as the three two vote goes, it's not enough. It's ridiculous that two people on that board still voted to keep that man in position as a police chief of any area, right? And even if you're a racist, and even if you sympathize with this cop, it's just not good policing, it's gleeful murder. And I don't know why it's so scandalous to call these killer cops what they are and prosecute them as such. Can 119 shots really be considered self-defense? And you're right in saying that this case is just gonna go away because he lost his job, but really it's not supposed to end there, it should not end there. Yeah, and let us not forget, he said, if you kill someone in cold blood, I will cover it up for you. And then he went on to say, I'm the smartest around here to do it. That's evil. All right, we're gonna continue to follow this story because I do think there's more to come based on this now becoming public. I think other individuals are going to say this cop profiled me, this cop violated my rights.
a judge has ordered Rudy Giuliani, he must testify before a special grand jury in Atlanta, Georgia, the investigation into Trump's attempt to overthrow the United States of America and its democracy. Part of it happened in the state of Georgia. This is interesting. Why does a federal judge have to tell Giuliani, you must adhere to a subpoena? Giuliani has no special powers. Giuliani was never an executive official with the White House. Giuliani is just a regular ass white man. How does he have to be told by a federal judge? Yes, Giuliani, you do have to adhere to the subpoena. Let me give you the background. A court has ordered the former New York mayor, Rudy Giuliani, to testify in Fulton County Court about his Georgia crusade to overturn the Republican Donald Trump's loss in the 2020 presidential election. A New York judge has ruled Wednesday that the former Trump attorney is required to appear before a Fulton County special grand jury on August 9th. That should date August 9th. The grand jury is investigating whether Trump and his allies conspired to circumvent Georgia election law. Now, I want to remind you of this grand jury because this grand jury, as they say, ain't playing the radio. This grand jury is a 12 month investigative grand jury. They have authority that other grand juries do not. They have the authority to keep the investigation going for up to a year. They have the authority to subpoena who they choose. And they have the authority to put individuals under criminal investigation or criminal targets who were not initially targets of their investigation. They can go down every rabbit hole they choose to within that 12 month period. They can also subpoena individuals outside of the state as long as a Supreme Court judge or Superior Court judge signs off on the subpoena. That is it, that's how it works, right? So let's get into the meat of it. The 23 member panel will make recommendations on whether the Fulton District Attorney Fonnie Willis should pursue criminal charges against Giuliani or other targets of the investigation. In the aftermath of the 2020 election, Giuliani fervently promoted accusations of widespread fraud in Georgia's election, including a state Senate subcommittee hearing at the Capitol where he advocated for state lawmakers to appoint illegitimate electors to cast votes for Trump. Now this is why it's important to understand Giuliani's aspect here, why, why his testimony is necessary. Giuliani is the one who basically came up with the scheme of fake electors. Fake electors signed affidavits swearing and affirming that Donald Trump was the person who won the state of Georgia. They then sent these fake affidavits that had lies on them under penalty of perjury to Washington DC for the vice president of the United States to confirm. Which means if the fake electors engaged in a criminal act, by extension, Giuliani is a co-conspirator in that act. Now. Giuliani will be under oath in this particular line of questioning. He is not a witness, he is in fact one of the targets of their investigation. During the hearing, Giuliani and other Trump associated attorneys claimed that a video showed Fulton election workers processing absentee ballots at Atlanta State Farm Arena was a smoking gun that proved that a rigged election led to Trump's loss to Democrat Joe Biden by fewer than 12,000 votes. A former Georgia prosecutor found no evidence of this whatsoever. 
Uh, Brad Raffensperger, let's put his picture up. He was at the center of this because Trump decided to call him and try to coerce him to change the outcome. Brad Raffensperger did not. The accusations of illegal ballot counting were vigorously refuted by Brad Raffensperger, who became the focus of Willis's investigation. But it is not the extent, that's just one of the gateways. The Fulton County case is playing out at the same time as this January 6th committee. Um, going to be interesting, let's put up the picture of Miss Fonnie Willis, who's an African American female and is leading this investigation. Now remember, also 16 Republicans from the state of Georgia who falsely signed certificates claiming to be Georgia's ballot presidential electors have been deemed criminal targets by the Fulton County DA's office. She's investigating them all. That's how you do it, damn it. Now I'm trying to figure out how I can get on this damn grand jury. All right, Yasmin, thoughts on this? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because we're finally seeing a lot of these people who were involved in the insurrection and not just the insurrection, but the big lie that preceded it. We're seeing a lot of these people finally being held to justice by, you know, all these different justice departments around the country. In New York, we're seeing it, we're seeing it in Georgia, and we're seeing it with, you know, Steve Bannon, who finally is having to go to trial for contempt of Congress, right? And with Rudy Giuliani, it's kind of a sad story, right? He was hailed as the guy who cleaned up New York City back in what was that, the 70s, 80s. And then he became America's mayor after September 11th. And then he kind of disappeared and he came back in this very, very strange role as Trump's attorney, right? And now he's going to court himself and he's trying to defend himself in this court against these actions that he obviously did. We know he did it, we have the evidence to do it. And he can't credibly claim ignorance to any of these proceedings or these procedures or what's expected of him because he's an attorney. So you have people who know and understand the law and they're trying to bypass it. And then they're expecting sympathy or they're expecting some kind of privilege from the justice system. But as you said, they're just ordinary private citizens. They're not privileged, at least not in the eyes of the law. At least they're not supposed to be. We'll see what actually happens, but as of now, I am happy to see that they're not just getting away with things like they used to. Like we're also used to seeing them getting away with. Yeah, it, it is interesting. These cats are slippery when wet. Um, every time there seems to be a last thing that saves them. Hopefully, we will actually get uh, Giuliani and the surrogates of Trump under oath, because if they lie under oath, guess what? That's another criminal indictment down the road. We got more. On the other side, it's indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let's go to some of these comments. Before I go to the comments, let me remind you, January 6th hearing. All right, we're covering the final January 6th committee hearing today, right? After the Young Turks, the bonus episode is available for everyone today. Tune in starting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time. You can go to tyt.com forward slash live or YouTube with Jank, Jessica Burbank kicking it off. We got the big homie Brett who will take over around 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You don't want to miss this. And listen, there's no better way to watch this finale than with us. All right, I'm just keeping it 100. We got a lot of comments, let's get to it. Pharaoh Portugal Blue Blazer regular says the copster bragging that he is a serial killer question mark. 
color me shocked. Rather proves my point that there are currently so few serial killers in this country because they are now protected by cops or gangs, or they just decided to become officers. Right? Okay. Make see the silver hat dragon. Rudy was only America's mayor to those outside New York. We were disgusted by his theatrics after 9 11. Yeah, good point. point. Yeah, good point. Mm -hmm. Abra Lopez, uh, that sounds like the warm up for the KKK Mississippi chapter meeting, talking about the (laughs) racist chief. It really did. Like he, I mean, he's giving a pep talk. I killed 13 in words. How many you killed? Right? It's amazing. Um, Reason why Giuliani uh, needs to do what's right and go ahead and sing like a bird. That's it, Giuliani. Just let it go free, my friend. You're at the end of your career. You got more years behind you than in front of you. What do you have to lose at this point? All right, you're gonna end up going to the pokey, okay? Keep playing games with these people. All right, uh, Colin O'Connor, thank you so much. Welcome to Disputable, we appreciate you. Uh, Twitch, Mega Empress, talking about the racist chief. He's just going to be shuffled to another precinct, just like a priest. That's right, that's right. You know why, because he wasn't charged with anything. All right, he's a, he's a police chief. He's definitely going to get a job unless they charge him. All right, I got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on him for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. I'm glad you feel that way. But how about getting some angry management? Take care of that. No, don't tell me what to add and control myself. Okay, you let somebody with sneakers and, and not sandals? You No, sir, you attacked your own look, sir. Let's put up that outfit full mask here for the male Karen, okay? Now, whatever establishment he was trying to get into, they don't allow sandals. So this male Karen had a problem with that. All right, that's fine. You got a problem, call corporate, send an email, complain to management. But what this male Karen decided to do was he decided to start spewing anti-Latino racial slurs at the individual enforcing the rule of the facility. And then when he realized he was being recorded, he starts saying, well, 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 you attacked my attire. Sir, I would have attacked your attire, right? Let's keep it 100. You know good and damn well that was not your best attire choice that year. All right, Yasmin, once again, a simple argument, a complaint. A little bit of friction transforms into an opportunity to simply be racist for a- Of course, yeah, Karen. why wouldn't you take the opportunity when it's presented to you? And you know, the thing with these Karens, male or female, whoever they are, it's the rules don't apply to them, right? If there's a dress code, that's a rule. If you're not following the rule, you don't get to get into wherever you're trying to go. And then on top of that, he said, you know, you attacked my look, so I'm attacking yours back. 
But race isn't looks, race isn't an outfit, race isn't a choice. It's not something that you can take off, it's who you are, right? It's a part of you and your being, that's a personal attack. It's not saying, I don't like your shoes, that's a, that's a shoe, you know, get over it. like right. that. And anyone who's that triggered over their shoes and over them not following the rules and having to suffer the consequence of it, they're very unstable. And that's why he's our Karen today. That's right, and let's go back to the picture again. Let's put it up on the screen, all right? Okay, you never go, you never go full open toe, my friend. That's full open toe, sir. You gotta be in certain environments to do that. That's not one of them, Yeah. all right? Okay, got something else for you, double dose. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? None of that. Um, so this particular Karen was upset because she was going the wrong way. Uh, it was a one way and uh, someone said something. Well, she's upset and said that they just need to mind their own business. Uh, and then it escalated to her threatening physical violence and coming to bring somebody, I guess, to beat up. I don't know, beat up the family, I guess. Okay, all right. Um, once again, simple disagreement goes to the place of anticipated or proposed violence. Should not have gone there. Once again, right here on Indisputable, we offer an opportunity. This is a mirror for reflection and possible correction. Yes, my thoughts on this. Yeah, where is this? Are we in a Barnes and Noble? Is that yeah. <laughs> it's like the cafe at a Barnes and Noble? I I think people are afraid of each other at this point, right? People are afraid that you're going to go out into society, out into public, and you're going to encounter somebody who's just having a really off day. And maybe she was embarrassed that she messed up, right? Or maybe she's so self righteous that she doesn't think that anybody should call her out for messing up. But regardless, she's threatening violence now. She actually offered to call a manager. She had to get the last word in. People are not okay anymore. People are not okay. And I don't blame people for being afraid of each other anymore. Yeah, it is quite interesting. And here's the thing, there's so much extreme action that we've seen doing these segments of Karenicity that it's almost as if if somebody says something to you, it's likely worth just continuing your day, walking away, all right, leaving it alone. Um, and I hate to say that because I'm, I'm the kind of guy, if you say something to me, 
um, I'm gonna say something back to you, right? I don't really believe in the high road. I come traveling on the same road you came on. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. We got a lot of comments too. I will read as many as I can uh, about the Mel Karen infantry chef says, Mel Karen holding on to racism like him holding on to his dream of a full head of hair. <laughs> That's not right, man. All right, you too, Mel Karen. Uh, Nate underscore DJV, uh, DJV, ashy feet Karen, ashy feet Karen, okay. David Moore says even Jesus wouldn't rock those sandals. Diane Lewis, entitlement, you can't correct a Karen, yeah. C. Michael Henson, thank you again, C. Michael. I believe Karen drove the wrong way just so she could have a conversation with someone else. A Karen tried to do that to me, I just ignored her. That's the spirit, all right. And Twitch, is this LV18 white girl? There's no correcting that, that's straight Walmart energy there, all right. Okay. All right, this is really sad, obviously. The swim coach has now been arrested for sexually harassing and sexually assaulting underage swimmers. Let's put up his picture full mass here. The Atlanta police have arrested John Michael Bieber and charged him with three counts of sexual assault on a child by one in a position of trust. Investigators say the charges stem from a time period from 1997 to 2002 when Bieber worked as a swim coach in Colorado for the club Boulder Swimming. According to officials, this individual allegedly had inappropriate sexual contact with multiple swimmers from the team, all of whom were underage, all of them. Authorities say, Bieber left his job with the team when the allegations initially surfaced in 2022. So this guy was known to do this since the 90s, follow this. He gets exposed to some degree in 2002. So what does he do? He decides to leave that marketplace and go somewhere else. A former swimmer told CBS 46 News, which is a local news station in Atlanta, that she was 17 years old. When Bieber began coaching her Dynamo Club team, and even after all of those years, she definitely remembers Bieber. When he would gather around to do the sets, he would sometimes get a little closer and it would feel physically uncomfortable being in the swimsuit and everything the swimmer said. The swimmer who is now in her 30s, who did not wanna share her name for privacy sake, uh, described in detail some of the interactions she had with the swim coach during practice back then. Sometimes he would talk to you personally and he would pat me on the back for no reason and stroke my shoulders. And then he would do that to a lot of female swimmers. Now that's one account. The other accounts are much more graphic. Bieber went on to coach swim teams in multiple places. So let's name the places he's been. Atlanta, Florida, Albany, New York. The Boulder County DA says it has not identified any other victims connected with his time with those teams. They have not identified them. Now this is still early in their investigation. This is early in the arrest. Um, There's much more information that's not on record and they are respecting the privacy obviously of the victims. Now, 
We have talked about this before. We have talked about the fact that individuals who are monstrous, who are perverts, will engage themselves in positions of public trust in order to have an opportunity to do exactly what they like to do. And that's why as parents, as mentors, as those that guide young people, we have to be vigilant. We all have to be very vigilant about individuals that seem trustworthy. I know it's not I know it's not the most comfortable thing to do. But sometimes you have to give a young person significant grace so that they can talk to you about anything in the world. I do it with my own daughter. I want my daughter to know I don't care what it is. She has a judgment free environment to talk to me. Those kinds of environments allow, make conducive for open conversations. And that's what's needed when somebody like this coach steps out of line. The young person has to feel safe to talk about it, all right? Yasmin, we've covered many of these stories. This is just another one, position of public trust. Charges in my opinion are completely accurate here. Yeah, and you know, I'm not a mother, but I'm of mothering age, I guess. And uh, it is kind of a factor whenever you consider, do I want to have kids one day? It's scary, yeah. you know, especially having a, a young girl, I think for me is particularly frightening. But I always think of my own childhood whenever I hear stories like this, and I kind of marvel at how somehow I managed to come out of it unscathed. And I think that was just luck for the most part. And I think it's terrifying to think of the evils that children have to face in their lives. Even children who have the most well-intended and dutiful parents who are there to look out for them. But the reality is, is that kids aren't raised in a bubble. The community raises these children. However, that community actually manifests itself. So even if that includes, whether that includes family members and a very tight group of friends, or if it includes people like you know swim coaches and gymnastic coaches and things like that. It's sad that we can't trust adults to be adults. And it's sad that children are made to deal with trauma that would screw up most adults. Yeah, that's right, very well said. All right, we're gonna keep our eye on that story because it's still developing, okay? Will Smith slap heard around the world, right? We said, oh, obviously Will Smith is gonna have a difficult time recovering from that. He's gonna have a difficult time becoming the star he once was in Hollywood. This was a horrible thing that happened to Chris Rock. But Will Smith has now secured the biggest Hollywood payday in 2022. He was paid up front $35 million to star in a movie. Let me give you the background to this. Will Smith is still Hollywood's leading actor. And he was cast to do a movie called Emancipation. The upcoming action thriller will star Will Smith. In order to land Will Smith, they had to pay him his whole fee up front. In spite of a turbulent 2022, Will Smith has come out with a big win here. Will Smith is going to receive $35 million, which will be an upfront payment to star in the movie. This is the highest salary for any film actor in 2022. Do you hear me? The highest for any film actor in 2022. Now, when this first happened, I'm talking about the slap heard around the world. I gave my commentary and I stand by my commentary. 
that what Will Smith did was wrong. That literally there's a wrong joke and then a criminal assault. They're not comparable. Will Smith did the Hollywood thing and decided to slap Chris Rock. Because Chris Rock said a joke that was offensive to his wife. Because Chris Rock told a joke that was offensive to Will Smith's wife. Well, that happens, all right? It's not great, not good, but definitely does not warrant, in my opinion, a criminal assault. But I guarantee you, Will Smith would not have slapped Steve Harvey like that. There are a few people that Will Smith would not have run up on that stage on, in my opinion. But I digress. So Hollywood has a fascination with status. Do you think if that were anyone else walking up on an Oscar stage and slapping the host, it would have been allowed? Of course not. Hollywood has fascination with status and by extension, so do we. We massage the details, we start measuring our response because it's Will Smith. But if it was somebody, let's say just, you know, we didn't know, we would say that's wrong. That should not have happened. That was overkill. That was too aggressive. Um, according to Variety Online, let's put up the bar chart here because I want to make this distinction because some people will say, well, you know, actually Tom Cruise uh, has made more money. Not really. You see, Tom Cruise, he sets up a deal where he makes money on ticket sales. As far as upfront fee, a paycheck in the beginning, a paycheck before you act, Will Smith now holds the record after the slap. Uh, the release date for Will Smith's upcoming project with Apple, Emancipation, is unknown. Variety said the film's release has been pushed back to 2023, although Emancipation had no film launching date. It was expected to be featured at later uh, this year's autumn film festivals, according to Variety. Um, you know, here's the thing: I, I don't want the guy not working. If people still want to consume his movies and his, you know, acting product, that's fine. I feel horrible for what happened to Chris Rock. I don't think that ever should have went down in that manner. Period. Okay. To me, it was flexing. It was Will Smith being Hollywood. He knew good and damn well Chris Rock wasn't gonna hit him back. And listen, the slap is one thing, that's one dynamic. But the fact that Will Smith got to sit there and laugh during the entire program afterwards, damn, that's a whole nother, right? Okay, he's gonna get paid. What are your thoughts on this, Yasmin? Oh man, did Will Smith's wife ever heal him like she said she was going to? Because I haven't heard too much about the healing and with that family, I feel like I would have heard something. Yeah. But really, you think about it, this is kind of capitalism at its finest. You have an actor who in my opinion is fine, he's not the best, he's good, you know, he's not the best. But he's got a lot of blockbusters under his belt, sure. A lot of people will go see him at the movies, but $35 million for one movie, it's for the headline, it's for the clout, it's for the box office pull. And Will Smith is capitalizing on his own emotional trauma and his unhappy marriage, which is about as American as I think it kind of gets. And the thing with with the box office that has always kind of bothered me ever since I was a kid was, you know, people will go to the movies because they wanna see something, right? It's like clickbait, right? You click on something for the headline because you think it's gonna be good, you pay the money and then you get the content. It doesn't mean the content's good, doesn't mean it's, it's worth anything. Doesn't mean that it's the best actor or anything like that. It's you know whatever gets you into the into the theater or you know watching it on Netflix wherever it's going to be. Yeah, really interesting. And listen, um, I made a prediction about a year ago. I predicted that Jada Smith is likely going to leave Will Smith for Tupac's hologram. 
All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. Uh, don't forget about the watch list, all right? The big homie Jared Jackson, make the watch list, add the watch list to your watch list. Uh, 12 p.m. Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific time, weekdays live. Make sure you also follow at facebook.com forward slash watch list TYT, youtube.com forward slash watch list TYT. Mickey C the Silverhead Dragon says, yet another pedophile attracted to a job to be close to children. That's right. Uh, Pharaoh Portugal Blue Blazer regular Will Smith was a box office juggernaut in the 90s. He sure as F isn't box office gold in 2022. But not according to this last paycheck. I mean, they are they are betting the house on Will Smith. You know, I would have liked Chris Rock to get that kind of paycheck. Because I definitely would have gone to see whatever Chris Rock was starring next. That's just keeping it 100. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Brian uh, Kidder says, I won't be watching anything Will Smith does, but I pay money to see Chris Rock. I, that's what I just said. <laughs> I'm with you there, uh, Brian. All right, Teresa Riley, Rick James didn't get any of this attention when he slapped Charlie Murphy. I know. Maybe we need to, you know. Uh, KFZ247, if he would have slapped Tom Cruise, his career would have been over. You know, if he would have slapped Will Ferrell, first, first of all, Will Smith would have never ran up on Will Ferrell either. Okay, let's keep it, let's keep it, let's let's keep it real now. All right. Um, swim coach, flutter flutter by dragon. Uh, people never have enough evidence and won't listen to a girl if there are witnesses. There are so many sexual predators out there. That the state won't prosecute without a ton of evidence happened to my daughter. They wouldn't do anything to the man. And listen, these predators know that. That's why they operate the way they do. Once information comes out, you say, whoa, wait a minute. He's been doing this for 20, 30 years. There were this many witnesses. Well, one, you have a rape culture in America. People that would prefer just to believe the predator and not give any room to the victim. But you're right. They, they want to have all kinds of evidence uh, beyond that of other crimes. All right, uh, the Sockster says, Docs, thanks for doing your thing. I'll wait for you each day. Keep calling the sickos out. I really appreciate you and thank you for waiting for us. All right, it's a team effort here. Okay, very sad story. A woman shot by a racist driver, okay? Driver not arrested because the driver claims self-defense. Let's put up the picture of the young lady who's the victim here, all right? Her name is Aaliyah Ivory, she's 24 years of age. She's a mother from Chicago. On Saturday, a black woman was shot six times by a racist driver who has not been charged because that driver is claiming self-defense. So let me give you some background as to how this happened. According to reports, that young lady, Aaliyah Ivory, Says she was driving to merge on the Interstate 57 northbound from Lincoln Highway on July 16th. But another driver blocked her and tried to run her off the road. Miss Ivory tried to cut him, uh, tried to cut him back off. And the driver caught up with Ivory and called her a racial slur. That's according to her. Ivory clapped back. The next thing you know, bullets started to shoot. Ivory's sister, Ashley Johnson, 
told WGN News. Let me show you the car. Let me show you how the car looks. You see, those are bullet holes in the back of the window. Okay? The gun, the gunman shot through the back of the car window five times and the side window once. All six bullets hit the young Aaliyah Ivory. All of the bullets hit her. Here's what she looks like now. Okay, she's been shot six times. Doctors are unsure if she will ever be able to walk again. Her injuries, her damage is significant. Miss Ivory has a bullet lodged in her spine and has major damage to other parts of her body. One surgery she has to have is in her hand because she threw her hand up to block the bullets. Her sister said it shattered like 30 bones in her hand, according to the sister. Let me show you a picture of the guy they handcuffed. We're gonna get to the bottom of this as much as we can. This is a photo of the alleged shooter, handcuffed. He was put in the back of a police vehicle. The gunman tried to claim self-defense. Although Aaliyah's gun was concealed and it was in its gun holster, Aaliyah explains that she never reached for the gun during the incident, never. The shooter told someone, I drew my gun at him. We are both concealed carry, so uh, I was so scared. I couldn't even get to my gun fast enough, Ivory said. My gun has safety on it. They can do any type of test to see. I never discharged my firearm or anything. Put the picture back up of the young lady. She's in the hospital now. She has six bullets inside of her. Put the picture up of the vehicle. Six bullets went through the back of that car. Now, under what theory is this self-defense being applied here? Does this add up to you? There's more. Charges have not been brought against this particular gunman. Ivory's family say they have not been able to see any police report on this incident and that the shooter has not been charged. Aaliyah is thankful her child was not in the car, okay? Ivory's two-year-old daughter normally does ride on the side where the shots were fired. And the mother says this incident could have ended differently once again. Society showing you that they do not stand up for black women as they should. This woman was shot six times. They know exactly who did it. She has a version of the event that is corroborated. The shooter has a version non corroborated. The shooter is the one that has all the reason in the world to lie so that he's not arrested for attempted murder. They believe the gunman, they put him in handcuffs. Put him in the back of the squad car, they let him go home. While the young Miss Ivory has had her life changed forever. The daughter, her family, parents, friends, everybody will be impacted by this one incident. But the gunman who put six bullets in this young African American woman, but the gunman goes home. All right, horrendous. Thoughts here. 
yeah, where's the justice here? You know, and unfortunately, it's not surprising that the gunman was able to go home to his family, that there was no consequence. And it's similar to the cop that we were the, the police chief that we were talking about earlier, who admitted on an audio recording that he killed all these people and that he shot somebody else 119 times and he's fine, you know? He's not in jail anywhere. He doesn't have a job, but I'm sure he'll find another one. And this is yet another instance of that. And I live in Texas and here it is a real fear that someone on the road has a gun in their glove box or in their center console. And road rage is already incredibly dangerous without introducing a lethal weapon into the equation. You know, people are just trying to live their lives, right? We all need to figure out how to do that together. We all share the same resources like our roads and highways. And we have to be able to live with one another in a way that is somewhat amicable. And guns, they don't do that. They don't help that situation. Guns encourage fear over cooperation. They provide a quick resolution to any problem, but that quick solution means escalating the situation to the most extreme possible possibility before anyone even tries to find an alternate solution or before anyone even has a chance to do so. It's not a sustainable way to live and we cannot keep escalating situations and all of society really in such a way where gun violence keeps rising and the people who are perpetuating that gun violence, nothing is happening to them. It's not sustainable. Yeah, very well said. All right, a sad story. We're talking about Oakland. Over a traffic stop, a black male, young black male is brutalized. Here's what I'm gonna do first before I go to the video. I wanna show you the picture, the bloody picture of what they did to this young man. You see how he looks? This was over a traffic violation. That's how this started. Let me take you to the first video. Here it is. Individual they are chasing and beating. His name is Brandon Colloway. There's more video. Here it is. While he was on the ground, while he was on the ground, you saw a police officer stomp him with his foot on his face. That's what likely caused even more severe bleeding from the head of this young Mr. 
Callaway. Let's put up his graduation picture. You know that bloody picture you saw? That's not what he looks like. That's not what he's supposed to look like. That's what he looks like. Brandon Callaway was the victim that was brutalized by the police. Callaway was charged with evading arrest, resisting disorderly conduct, and failing to stop at a stop sign and speeding. Those were the charges, okay? Seen here is a steal of a cop putting his foot on the back of his head. Callaway was injured in the confrontation when police entered the home, kicked in two doors, used a taser and a baton to take him into custody. Once again, traffic stop. Here's background on a traffic stop. Oakland police reportedly attempted to initiate a traffic stop of Brandon Calloway on Saturday for allegedly running through a stop sign and driving 32 miles per hour in a 20 mile per hour zone. I mean, we're talking about a high criminal offense here. The man allegedly did not pull over, kicking off a chase by authorities. Brandon's attorney actually gave some more context. So we're gonna go and highlight this context. Brandon obviously was trying to figure out what's going on here. Why are you guys following me? I'm not violating any law. His attorney, Andre Wharton, told the station. They commenced speaking with Brandon to try to speak with him. He's clueless as to why they continued to pursue him when he didn't believe he had done anything wrong. All over what was reported to be and what was alleged to have been a traffic violation, their attorney said. Which turns into head injuries, hospitalization, and significant pain and suffering. He's just remaining hopeful, said Wharton, that what happened to him will come to light. And the Oakland police and the town of Oakland, and that this story will serve as an example for other police departments and other officers who are trying to do good work of protecting and serving. So we don't have the information of all of the cops. We don't have the information of the officers involved. We have some of their um, pictures from the recording. But we do not know exactly who they are. But we know who these people are. Let's put them up. The Oakland, Tennessee police chief is Chris Earl. The Oakland police have offered no comment. But the DA on the other side, the DA, the district attorney general, Mark Davison has asked the TBI, that's the Tennessee Bureau of Investigations, to investigate the arrest and the use of force that you see in these videos. Going to be interesting. Now, as we know now, the latest report, there's no additional charge. There's no underlying issue. Literally, this young man was scared for his life. This is what it has become. When the police start chasing you for no reason, you may get scared for your life too, given the action of other cops. You may want to find refuge in your own home. Um, he's still recovering from his injuries. You saw them, they were pretty severe. Okay, Yasmin, thoughts on this? Whew, 
how horrifying. This is a complete invasion of privacy, yes, but it's a nearly unfathomable overreach of authority. Even with all that we've seen of police violence in this country, this is unbelievable. People are trying to live in their homes. Instead, they're being killed for traffic violations and killers are going free. This guy wasn't killed, but we've seen that happen. Do violate, do traffic violators really pose more of a threat to society than actual killers do? Do these cops really think that they're serving and protecting? And do they really think that they're contributing positively to their communities? The cops are in place to serve the government, not the people. They're serving the government and the government's interests. They're pawns, they're the boots on the ground that are complicit and maybe even oblivious to the fact that they're perpetuating violence against members of their own communities. They're there to bring in money for their cities. They're there to rule by fear. They're the visible and tangible branch of government that asserts its authority every chance it gets over the community. That's why they're so heavily armed and that's why they're armored. That's why they get the bulk of entire city budgets. And that's why they get away with literal murder with little to no consequences. Yeah, well said. All right, we're gonna keep an eye on that story. Um, obviously, that is not the end of it, it's still developing. We have more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these comments before I get to the viewer comments. Let me remind everyone coming up reactions with Ravana Thursdays, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, a great show. Twitch exclusive, twitch.tv forward slash TYT. She goes through different news headlines and asks viewers to guess which is fake news in the chat. All right, it's good stuff, very engaging. Next TYT reporter says, one or two bullets indicate self-defense. Six bullets indicate you were trying to kill her. Make her see the silver hat dragon. Oh my God, the level of violence is criminal. For a stop sign violation, those cops need to be fired and charged. Yeah, right. The rage in those cops is frightening. That's right. That's right. Um, road rage shooter uh, Courtney says. So she's driving away, and they said it was self-defense. Okay. Yeah. C. Michael Henson, thank you again, C. Michael. Self-defense, but she's driving in reverse. Wild light arts, it's terrifying to have a cop rush into your house. The cop put my phone upside down on the floor. I still have um, the video of me screaming and you can tell someone is lifting me up. Sorry, you had to go through that. Uh, Apollo Racer said, yeah, no, if you have to shoot a gun while driving and the person you're shooting at doesn't have a gun, you sure as hell can't say or call it self-defense. Jax Drax. Police manhandle people in a way that makes it easier for them to claim they were resisting. That's true. As a matter of fact, there was there was an officer who went on record and said, "Hey, we kind of teach them to do it this way. We teach officers to perform in a way where it always looks as if the suspect is resisting." All right. Uh, Jackson Drax also says, "If only the police could treat black people during a traffic stop with the same respect they give white nationalist uh, mass shooters." Yeah. All right, whoa, this is a hell of a story. So a GOP, a Republican representative had an affair with this woman, had the woman's partner arrested. It's just a lot of back and forth. So let me try to clear this up. We're going to South Carolina. South Carolina real estate developer accused a Republican congressman of abusing his power, abusing his power to continue an affair 
with his estranged wife. Let's put up everybody's picture. All right, here's how we're gonna do this. The guy on the left, Representative William Timmons, Republican, South Carolina, has been accused by Ron Rallis, who said the lawmaker influenced police, influenced judges, influenced the law enforcement system to have him arrested and jailed on a kidnapping charge to further an affair with his estranged wife, who happens to be a socialite. Her name is Paula Dier. Mr. Rallis posted on Instagram that he spent months wearing an ankle monitor and was separated from his young daughter before the charge was eventually expunged. But the good congressman here, Mr. Timmons, denied the developer's claims and rejected allegations about sex parties. There we go again, another sex party mentioned. Story gets deeper. Uh, Rallis has claimed to have been in communication with Timmons' siblings who have been saying unfavorable, unfavorable things about him, the good congressman. Uh, Church Greenville, don't come at me casting stones with your narcissistic nonsense as if I'm the circus. This audio is just a very small, outright disgusting example of who you both are. Traveling the country to meet an F around while I'm in jail on house arrest and stripped of my daughter. I was silent for over a year. Now I just want my daughter and I'll walk away. He would then post audio where he claims that it's a conversation of William's sister, the congressman's sister, Brittany Timmons and brother Cliff Timmons talking about this affair. Now there are many outlets not running this audio. I'm not one of them. Here's the audio. I think Wayne's a cheater and I think he's a liar. Well, he's been cheating on Sarah since the beginning of the time and yeah. and and yeah. but but that's okay. So you go to DC and you f around. That's a lot different it's than It's a lot different than what's happening. Your best friend. I mean Sarah and Paula were like they were very yeah. tight. Yeah. But Sarah was going Dude. around Sarah was going to dinner with Paula buying her dinner because she couldn't afford dinner. And then Paula was going and like sleeping with William. And Sarah was, you know, from Sarah's perspective, Paula was like manipulating her and telling her things, like being like, oh, William probably doesn't like you, you know, like, like with her head and then with William's head. Wait, I don't. To get William, like making. Wait, Paula was saying William doesn't like you as in to Sarah? Mm hmm. And when Paula and William were in Feb in February, when they were in Park City together, Paula took William's phone and sent Sarah a message, basically saying like, "I don't know if this marriage is going to work." Like, you. Like all that. I mean, and that's that. That is sick. Okay, now listen. I'm not trying to get into the dirty details of the affair. I am. I'm not trying to get into the dirty details of the affair. Uh, but here's the reason it's important. According to this developer, the congressman engaged in a systematic protocol to manipulate the criminal justice system, judges, law enforcement officers against this one man because of the congressman's affair 
with his estranged wife. Now, if you are that corrupt as a congressman, there's much more that meets the eye. So we're going to expose it. Uh, Mr. Rallis would also post a supposed interaction he had with Williams' wife, Sarah Timmons. Okay, Sarah Timmons is the actual wife of uh, the congressman. All right, Williams' wife in regards to custody of his child, Sterling. Sarah Timmons, this is interesting, but that's what I've been dealing with for years and battling lives to survive. I just want Sterling. Okay, your level of clarity and peace is now telling. I just don't understand how someone who's been through infertility and miscarriages would be capable of inflicting this level of destruction on another family going through the same thing. She was the first person at my house with a steak and bottle of champagne when I found out I was miscarrying. And she laid the trap when I went for an egg retrieval in Colorado. I just don't want this to hurt Sterling or our lives permanently. Let's be smart. So Timmons would issue a statement related to the accusations. So what does the congressman say? This is just kind of fascinating. My wife and I do not comment on our personal lives because they're private. And they should remain that way. Timmons told 106.3 words, the tower show. That said, we are experiencing challenges. We're going through a difficult time. I regret anything I've ever done to let her down. Well, that's fine, sir, that's between you and her, damn it. But you let it down the people, okay? So if you're utilizing your authority as a United States Congressman to influence judges and police to incarcerate an individual because you're sleeping with his estranged wife, well, now that's my problem, all right? Because I pay taxes and I wanna hold you accountable. And I think if you are this corrupt to do something this insanely ridiculous, then you need to be held accountable and we need to look beyond this story also. If the allegations are true, that means that you know some corrupt cops and you know some corrupt judges. And so I wanna know what judges you called and I wanna know what cops you influence. See how that works? That's why it's my business. All right, thoughts here. Yeah, man, even Hamilton didn't throw his mistress's husband in jail. He just paid the man (laughs) so he could keep sleeping with his wife. But you're absolutely right. These public figures, they're by all means allowed to have a private life, right? When I don't care who my politicians sleep with, I don't care what they do in their private lives. I care about the job that they do once they're in office, right? But in this case, he's taking public money, he's taking public all of all of the perks of his position to do something really, really terrible. And the thing is, just be an adult. If you're gonna have an affair, do it, deal with the consequences. None of this needed to happen. This only happened because people are cowards. And was it really worth it? Was it worth the publicity and the bad press and the fact that you and I are here talking about it right now? Was it worth abusing his power over and all of the consequences that could potentially follow? This feels like something like like some high school nonsense and it's ridiculous. It it really does. Um, And the allegation that this congressman literally manipulated the entire criminal justice system to bend to his will, that is a problem for me. All right. QAnon done did it, they got one. QAnon whack job has won a GOP nomination for governor. Wow, Maryland, all right, let's put him up. Maryland State Delegate Dan Cox, far right politician who represents the fourth district in the state's House of Delegates. He's now their man, all right? A man who tried to impeach current Maryland GOP governor. Larry Hogan just won the GOP nomination 
for Maryland governor, I'll be damned. Uh, he not only organized buses, let's put this picture back up. This cat right here, not only organized buses to Washington for the January 6th terrorist attack, but also tweeted during the attack, during the riot, that Mike Pence was a traitor. That's when they were trying to find Mike Pence to kill him. Maryland Governor Larry Hogan has called Cox a QAnon whack job. Reportedly one of the nicer things he said about Cox. Let's put up the picture of Mr. Hogan, he's the governor. And yet, and yet Mr. Cox is not even the most extreme candidate nominated for statewide office on Tuesday. Cox won the GOP gubernatorial primary Tuesday night, supported by former President Donald Trump and big spending by Democrats and his coattails helped his friend and ally, Michael Perupta, a Christian nationalist and former board member of the neo-confederate League of the South, whose extreme views are almost too numerous to enumerate. So he took all of that and he won the GOP nomination for what? Attorney General, all right, Mr. Michael Perutka, Maryland politician, lawyer, and neo-confederate. All right, there he is, look at that. He believes public education is a communist plot. He has argued against lawyers protecting both gay marriage and abortion because they violate God's law. That man is the damn nominee in the GOP for an actual important position. He also doesn't like the term neo-confederate, but it's the neo part that he takes issue with. He calls the term a code word that's meant to stir up hatred against us. If anything, I wanna just be called a true confederate, he said. All right, uh, yeah, this is happening, it's going down, it is what it is. Uh, we said this would eventually become reality. If you did not do what was necessary to stop these folks from actually running the government. Well, here's the awakening, they are getting elected. Yasmin, thoughts on this? Yeah, uh, the, the whole thing with the Confederacy is ridiculous to me. I feel like just get over it, it was so long ago. I don't know why anyone is still hanging on to the idea of the Confederacy. It's so silly, it's from the 1800s, just we gotta move on from it. But one thing that the GOP is great at is installing its people into positions of authority and power. It doesn't matter how intelligent they are or how accomplished they are or insightful or compassionate, none of that matters. All that matters is that they can be counted on to be loyal to the cause regardless of the circumstances. And anyone who is that loyal all the time isn't a deep thinker. They're so far removed from normalcy that they live in their own worlds where they always feel justified in their thoughts and actions. And the GOP has an agenda that they're always trying to push. They haven't really swayed from it. And their agenda keeps getting pushed further and further to the right because they have to keep banking on the outrage, right? And so what they do is they keep putting those same people on the further and further right spectrum of the political society. They put those people in power because they can be counted on to always be the right people, the most right people. They will always support the cause and they will always further the agenda. And you know, you bring up something really, really compelling and so accurate. They're getting elected, not because they're smart, not because they know how to fix things, not because they're good politicians. They're getting elected because they're saying, we're willing to do the thing that you really want us to do. We know you want us to basically overthrow rule of law as you know it. 
The people that are voting for Trump endorsed candidates, they're not voting for Trump endorsed candidates because they think these candidates are able to bring America together or create coalitions or build a more unified America. They don't give a damn about that. What they care about is that these individuals subscribe to an ideology of white nationalism. They subscribe to an ideology of Christian, of, of, of being a Christian evangelical, where they are trying to adopt theocracy rather than a secular government as the ones who frame the constitution desire. Here's the problem with this. While you have actual members of Congress on the record saying that the church should be in charge of government, remember what they will do. Now, you know, scripture says thou shalt not lie. They don't want to make lying illegal. The scripture says thou shalt not commit fornication. They're not going to make fornication illegal, okay? They said, hey, we only want to harshly regulate women and those who are members of the LGBTQ community. They are selective here, but that's the kind of government they want to bring to you. We got to stop it. Yasmin, always a pleasure to tell people how they can follow you. Check out your great work. Yeah, you guys can follow me over on Instagram and TikTok. My handle is YazK with five Z's. I got to do it. Y-A-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-K. That's my handle. And you can also find my content over at the Rebel HQ YouTube channel. You can just go to the Yasmin playlist or you could watch everybody else because they're all great. Always a pleasure. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of the planet, take care of each other. Remember the truth is always indisputable. Welcome to Indisputable. I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today. But what do we do on this show? We tell the truth. You know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here. Congratulations on the new show. And I gotta let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. Here's the pattern that we see in all of these Karen stories. They think they own stuff they do not own. Now, where does that come from? I don't know, maybe slavery. Maybe they think they should still own black people. This is what happens when Karens weaponize the police. When you're used to privilege, equality seems like oppression. It hits you in a certain way when someone is holding you against your will, treating you like you're a criminal and you're an innocent person. This is something that black people face no matter where they are. A stronger black economy lends itself to a stronger, greater economy. Don't think it's exclusive of you, it's inclusive of you. What's your beef with critical race theory? It adds more fuel to the fire of the racist tendencies that we already have. We have a generation of problem solvers that can remedy the problem if they are properly taught what the problem is. You know who created redlining in this country? Mm-hmm. The white liberal. I, I, don't, I don't give a damn who created it. If it's no, a racist I, I, policy, I racist policy. Shelly, here's what I don't to. know. I don't know. See, there you go filibustering, brother. You're scared of this truth, but you're gonna get it though.